Ana Rashum, te esen berafen en susulardes. Mi hante ramp. Laukatakute. Welcome to the nightclub, where we are the ones who take you back 45,000 years and smash your fucking head in with a rock, stab you with a spear, and none of this shit is primitive, okay? We know what we're doing. This ain't the old world, this is the ancient world. Um, I'm Travis Maxwell Boone, and I'm screeching in the dark tonight. I'm also joined by... 3-6 Rick from the lands you heard about in the West from your childhood that turn out to be old and dark, full of starvation and death. It's the Great Depression, and our Great Depression is here with us, too. His name is... <laughs> My name is Trevor, and I will suggest that you stay within the firelight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Big time, because if you don't stay by that fire, there's somebody out in the dark who's going to scare the ever-loving shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our movie is going to be the new... twenty. Well, I know it's 2022, but 2024 survival horror film prehistoric survival horror film and we have with us the director mr andrew coming thank you for visiting the nightclub thank you for having me around the fire guys um yeah, yeah. i'm going to take your advice and stay well within the light <laughs> that's a great line from the movie by the way um i'm going to yeah. probably paraphrase it but it, it was something like uh the trouble with bringing light into dark places is mm-hmm. you see what's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. yeah. 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 That, that, that line, I'm, I'm fucking it up, but yeah, that's, that's, a yeah, dope. that's, that's Ruth Greenberg right there. I can't take any credit for that. That was just one of those great lines. You think, yep. And if, 
if the actor delivers it delivers it right, which Arnold did, yeah, that's that's the whole movie right there. Mm. This film that you that you and a, a great team of people, uh, I saw that you had an Oscar winning co- costume designer working on the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the list of people right directly in front of me, but yeah, Ruth Greenberg, y'all mm-hmm. uh, got her to flesh out the treatment, mm-hmm. and the, the movie the movie itself is is. I guess I guess because of the setting, there's a sort of minimalist feel to it, but at, at the same time expansive. And I, I again, it's got to be the setting, which Trev, I think that was that was yours right there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of my first questions was, where did y'all shoot this at? Uh, it was all shot within 45 minute drive of a hotel in the northwest of Scotland in a place called Gearlock. So, yeah, we shot during COVID, like pre-vaccine. Um, that tells you how long the journey is to get a, you know, a first-time film out into the world. Um, and we had to we had to make a, a bubble, a COVID bubble, so that everybody could be safe and work effectively. So, yeah, every location had to be within 45-minute drive of the hotel, except the exterior of the caves. We had to hike for an hour and a half with the equipment on our back to get to the, these caves, um, which are called mm-hmm. the Bone Caves, um, yeah, and that's and that's that's the furthest we went in terms of putting shit on our back and having to trek. I thought y'all took a time machine back to the past. That's honestly I felt like that at times, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I love I love the location. Like it felt yeah, so beautiful. expansive and dreary and mm. desolate, but beautiful at the same time. It, it yeah, puts that... you in that mindset and you look as far as the eye can see and there's so little life, but it's like you said, it's just beautiful location. It 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 felt like like primal earth, you know. That's exactly it. I knew we'd find that in Scotland and I was looking for locations that would look magnificent on camera. What whatever the weather was doing, I knew they'd look good. But also you're looking for a, you're looking for locations that say I, we I don't give a fuck about you. Do you know what I mean? Like you're right. just your tiny little amoeba sitting on the shoulder of Earth, and it will just right. flick you off at any moment. Um, so that was what you're looking for: is just landscapes that make these characters feel insignificant. <laughs> From the craggly rocks that are just strewn about in certain areas to like the forest in the movie, constant fog billowing through everything. How how much? Uh, that's something I had wanted to ask. How much of this movie was shot? Because, I mean, there were some scenes where I'm like, okay, I could tell that they lit this nighttime scene a certain way. But around the fire, during the day, how much of this was just natural lighting? Um, I wouldn't put, I, I think anything during the daytime was all natural lighting. Um, I can't think of any time, even when the light was going down and, you know, we're at the end of the day, I think we just open the iris up and just let as much light in as possible until until Ben Fordsman, the DOP, just turned around and said, we're done, we're, we're, we're cooked. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the nighttime stuff with the firelight, we used real firelight, maybe had a little kicker coming in just to give some, just a little bit of light in the other eye that wasn't getting the firelight. Um, the Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis sequence, obviously we had a, a sort of big green key light there just to give that sickly green glow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and then the cave sequence, so we shot that in a barn um, on a car on a caravan site um, towards the end of the shoot. 
And obviously we used light there because you had to do something. You had to light it somehow. So just shafts of light coming from holes above. And that's, that's it. The rest of it was just polyboards, ND filters to give you a little bit more contrast. And Ben Fordsman's just great at that. Just so good at just sculpting the light that you've got. And that's what makes it feel more real. I was going to say, that's one thing I wanted to touch on is how good these nighttime campfire scenes look, man. Because I, I, I don't know a lot about lighting, but I was looking at it and I was like, man, this all this light really just looks like firelight. You know, yeah, it's because it was like the SFX guys rigged up a, a gas tank, and we hid the we had the rubber tubing. But otherwise, it was just Ben saying, you know, looking up from the eyepiece and saying a little bit more, a little bit less, a little bit more, yeah. until we got the exact right amount. And then in the grades, you know, you just get the colors popping a little bit more, make those blacks as black as you can make them, um, and yeah, and that's what gives you that lovely contrast. Love the, the aurora borealis scene without oh without context as to what's going on in it, the poetry of the visuals alone, because I, I won't describe what's happening in the scene, but the setting is, for lack of a better term, a boneyard with with just littered with bones, blood-stained rocks in a dark forest, and the universe just shining above it. I'm looking at it and just visually like, this is cosmic as fuck. Cosmic as fuck, yeah. Bruh, that... that and the way he described the landscape earlier, and we're just nothing getting ready to f- be flicked off the edge of the earth. Love it. Love it to death. Very that's, yeah, I mean, that's funny, that sequence, it, that came again from necessity because I was the whole way through the development process, you're, one part of you is thinking, how the, how the fuck am I going to shoot this? When the time comes, if we're lucky enough, how are we going to sh- shoot this? Because you can't cheat it, right? You can't. The character can't bring out their phone and put their torchlight on. The car headlights can't save you. There are no streetlights. So how are you, how are you going to create um, difference throughout the movie? So that there's different palettes for different uh, different sequences. And I, you're used to seeing certain films where what a character looks up at the Northern Lights, and usually they're like awestruck, and oh wow, isn't the world so great and so cool? And I thought no. I wonder if if our Stone Age, you know, if our if our ancestors looked up at this thing, they'd think, God, did we eat the wrong mushrooms? Or, you know, do, is 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 the world going to end? Um, exactly what you what you've just done there in your backdrop. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just thought, can you take that 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 effect, and if we use it at the right point in the movie, not only can we now have a new light source that gives the film a different look, if you use it in the place where really the whole fabric of the group is just torn apart and they've turned in on themselves it just adds this sickly ethereal cosmic feeling that you guys are talking about, so I'm really happy that's landed, and then Adam Yonotobajowski, the composer he the, the music he uses there absolutely nails it on the one hand it's wonderful when you feel like you've been touched by god and then you remember oh no everybody i know is dead um so you know you get you get both of that and that's that's what excites me that's a different kind of touch from god (laughs) here be monsters and god smiles upon them um i wanted to ask you about some of the practicals that joe yeah so no context No context, but someone in the movie gets eviscerated insanely 
And when I saw this effect, I was I was like, God damn movie. <laughs> uh, like, cause well, it comes yeah, bro. it kind of the visual kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's 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 one of the it's probably the most startling scene, at least for me in the movie, because I was just mm. not, not expecting that level of carnage on a mm. human body. You get a, a, a you know a hint of body horror right here. Absolutely. How was this pulled off? Um, it was. There's a there is a mix of practical and and uh, post effects. A little bit of uh, CGI. Could um, not tell the um, the prosthetic we got. I think it didn't quite fit Chuku's face. Um, I can't remember exactly why, but I remember Neve Morrison, the makeup artist, working overtime at night the night before to try and cut little bits off this thing and get it to sit right. And she did a great job, but she was working really with her hands tied behind her back because this piece that we got from the supplier just did not quite sit right on Chuku's face. So we did our best, you know, on the day and, you know, you throw blood on it and yeah. Um, poor poor Chuku had to sit against a rock in you know in dark on a, in November in Northwest Scotland for about four or five hours just to sit there where we shot the scene, oh, um, and um, and then when we got it into the the edit we realised like you know you could just see you could see the joints you know what I mean you could just see the the, the seams and the the stitching and all the rest of it so. Um, the, the the effects company that we were using, you know, to rub out telephone wires and any man-made stuff like hydro dams and stuff, they um, they did a little number on it and just added more depth to the throat areas so that you could see more teeth and mm-hmm. things like that. So it was just, but it was oh, just yeah. just percentage points, just to say, you know, take away more, some of the latex things that you could see and just add some stuff that we couldn't. So yeah, that that helped. And then it's sound design as well. It's yeah, we I had Chuku in the booth like drinking water and like regurgitating it and <laughs> nice. all of that stuff. So yeah, that's that'll help. It sells it, man, because it looks mm-hmm. good and, and oh, you, yeah. you mentioned sound design. The sound design in the in the film is fucking awesome also. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Paul Davies. He's one of the best in this country. He'd um a lot of the guys had worked on Saint Maud, which is a film that Oliver produced, uh, Rose Glass directed. So Ben, the DOP, worked on that. Paul Davies worked on that, the sound designer. But he had also taught me at film school. He'd be one of the guest tutors on the sound course we did at film school. And um, he, uh, we we mixed the film in Dolby Atmos at, at Paul's at Paul's um, request because he felt that the the weather alone could give such a feeling if you're lucky enough to see it in a Dolby Atmos cinema that you know you've just got 360 degree sound not only for the monster and how you can place that but just footsteps creaks of the trees the way the wind blows you know bone snapping it's just a much more visceral experience um yeah so he's that's that's on him him and his team did a great job yeah hear that everybody february 9th you need to go to the theaters and watch this surround sound because jesus christ it's going to be a whole different experience in the Mm. theater Um, yes that 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 right there yeah uh and yeah, because think... the sound design and score are very, very masterful. Well, yeah, well, the, it's good you touched on the score because that was the brief I gave Adam, the, the composer, as like bone flutes, you know, any basically find any instrumentation that might have existed in that time period or anything that we've done, you know, that um, archaeologists have dug out of the ground and use that. And, you know, and you can mess with that however you want, but it'd be great if the score used those instruments. So he used bone flutes, 
uh, kudu horns, um, conch shells, um, lithophone sort of stone drums, and then obviously does various processes on that afterwards electronically. But that all just creates something that feels of the time, but still feels very contemporary. So that was yeah, and it's 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 a big score. Like I said to him, like do not be afraid to go there because the whole movie's crazy. It was Stone Age, bone crunching mayhem. Like don't <laughs> be afraid, don't be quiet. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to shy away. Just embrace the embrace the scale of this thing. Embrace the bone crunching. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the AMCs are actually playing your movie already over here. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know we're out the ninth, but um, the, 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 there was an AMC that, in LA did a scream unseen. That's what it is. Paid, like, yeah, paid five dollars yeah. to go and see it. And so, again, some people were really enraged. <laughs> they just were like, "What the? What is this shit?" Um, uh, yeah. just, I, 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 you know, because it's a big ask. You know, between the time period and between, you know, and the twist and all the rest of it, it's you're asking a lot of people who just maybe just want to go and watch, uh, you know, a straight up monster film. Um, so, yeah, that was um, it was interesting to read those comments. <laughs> I think people who like historical fiction are going to really be drawn to this. And once this gets wide released, the horror community is going to show up for it, um, mm. which is a big, yeah, so, big time, a big loving yeah. community. Um mm. Yeah, I felt that when I went to Fantastic Fest in Austin, like just people really care. They really care. And it's a really great, even just within Austin, you felt it was a community. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, to me, what what would have been the most maddening and, because making a movie, I can only imagine on, especially on a scale like that is, is, is gotta be nerve wracking, but you and your team got this, uh, what's this doctor? Damn. Uh, Dan- Anderson. Daniel Anderson. Yeah. yeah. This guy, the way I read it, went away for a few weeks and came back with a mixture of Arabic and Balsk, if I'm saying mm-hmm. that correctly. Uh, yeah, Basque, Basque, yeah. Basque. And he's yeah. like, this is Tola, mm. the, or, the, the origin language. Yeah. All all of your cast will speak it. And I'm like, they made a fucking – y'all are talking over there just making up languages? Right. That's another thing I wanted to bring up is the language just sounds incredible. And and I didn't know I didn't know it was a mix of Basque and Arabic. I was I didn't know if it was clean on or <laughs> gibberish or whatever. But it just sounds amazing, man. It sounds and natural. Wa- it sounds real as fuck. And I want to learn it. Where can I learn it? <laughs> you um, put out a book on Tola, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I mean certainly we could you could see the script I guess and uh, yeah because in final draft there's like a dual dialogue function so we had the English down one side and the Tola down the other side so that you know script supervisor and everybody could figure out where they were but yes. no that was that was me just sort of saying okay we've we've come this far like we're gonna we've decided we're gonna make a prehistoric horror movie um, and we're gonna have the costumes and we're gonna do crazy stuff with their hair and their makeup and tattoos on their faces and various stuff. Like and and I I just thought if they speak in English, I I personally wouldn't believe it, and I would feel like I was being like a really lazy, sloppy director. And I think, especially with your debut, where you're not making it for a lot of money, so you're under the radar. There's nobody tapping on your shoulder looking for you know, what's the opening? What's the opening weekend numbers? What are they? What are those going to be? You can take a big swing. Um. So yeah, once 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 we sort of decided, okay, let's let's go for it. All of our new Daniel Anderson, he's an academic linguist. He translates 
papers from various Indo-European languages into English. So we, yeah, we set on the challenge and yeah, Basque, Arabic, a little bit of Sanskrit in there as well. The idea being, if, if it's generally accepted now that human beings came out of West Africa around 60,000 years ago, right? And they traveled north, they traveled south, they moved through, um, um, they moved through the Middle East and went up into Western Europe. Some went out to Asia, obviously crossed over. There was a landmass that would have joined onto North America at some point and then migrated down through North America. So you kind of just follow that journey and go, okay, well, Basque is still, Basque is around 10,000 years old. That's still in use in the Basque region of Spain. And they very, they fiercely protect that language and make sure that it's taught in schools and that it's spoken. And obviously you've then got Arabic in that region, um, Sanskrit as well is, is very yeah. is one of the first languages that we that we know of. So Daniel's you know Daniel's task was to try and create a, a root language that could conceivably have be have created these languages as these people spread these early pioneers spread out of of Africa and, and the Middle East. And um, yeah, so that was the that was the jump off point. And I remember reading it the first time, and it was complicated. You know, he had um, he had asterisks that would connotate where a, a glottal stop was so you know like the, the way that um so in scotland we do glottal stops a lot where you you don't pronounce the whole word and the, your throat kind of cuts out the last syllable or the last sound um like i would say don't instead of don't so i'm not pronouncing that t- i'm just saying don't we do so that here too Cajun yeah, do so the that, same thing yeah. <laughs> so language, yeah, but yeah so that's those are glottal stops and and he wanted them to roll their r's like but some of the cast couldn't do that. So there were there were certain things we had to just slightly scale back and simplify. And then, you know, you, we were just drip feeding it to the cast. First auditions, just English. The people we liked, let's give them a tola, see how they do the tola. And of course, everybody's pronunciation is different and um, and in terms of the accents they were doing. So then when we got people that, when we eventually cast the movie, they all did one-to-one sessions with Daniel and he brought them all to a level playing field. And then, and then you know, you, you don't know what it's going to be like until you're in costume on set and you're doing it. And right. I remember the first dialogue scene, the actors, they were a little bit cagey, but then once they saw that everybody was buying into it and committing to it, it, gets, it from then on it's easy because everybody's just in it. And what I find is, with actors, the further you can get them away from themselves, the the better. So, you know, once they've got the crazy haircuts and they're in the clothing and they've got their spears, and now they don't even sound like themselves, then then they were just all in. Andrew, first, let's did go. You, did you make these actors also have to hunt their food every night? Because I mean, uh, <laughs> no, 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 we, no, we, um, no, we we cared, we cared, um, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it, but it, it's funny because Safia, who plays Bea, she was 19 at the time. It was her first movie. She'd done a couple of short films. She said when she got home from the shoot, she was like feral, just would be <laughs> sitting on a chair with her knees up, just like eating her food like this. Because when we were on set, we were just getting hot boxes sent to us. You know, there were no, there wasn't trucks or like nice accommodation for us. Hot boxes would turn up and you would just pick a stone or a, a bit of grass, sit down eat your lunch and then get back to work. So, it, and, you know, and there was no phone signal. So nobody's like, you know, you look around TV sets or film sets and people are always on their phones and downtime. None of that. Like it was just very intensive. Nice. And I think the language really helped with that. I like it. Yeah, I, 
I, I like cool. the idea of there not being any like cell phones or anything because like it'll, mm. it'll keep you in your own head. Exactly, it keeps right? you it keeps you in that mind frame away from the modern world. That's right. And, and and selfishly, that's great for a director because you know you just you want you would love everybody to be as laser focused as you are, and they are. But everybody else really gets to switch off. You know, when when I'm working with the cast blocking a scene you know a lot of the crew can take take 15 20 minutes however long it takes and just chill and chat shit and talk about their next job and what they're going to do for dinner and then you know but i'm working and then so it's yeah it's it's nice that everybody was just really honed in on what we were trying to do um with this film and this batshit concept um and I, I might never get that experience again so i'm glad i got it on my first film nah i think so like again i think this is going to yeah. be embraced when this comes out big like wide wide release that I makes me so. want to ask you what do you have in mind like what your next project like what you're aiming for or right now it's just out of darkness let's go i ain't got time to worry about tomorrow you know i mean i've had um I've had a bit of time to think about stuff and I've, I know I've, I'm signed with an agency in LA now. So I've got good, really great agents there who are sending me stuff to read. And I've, I've read a few horror scripts, but they haven't, I need something to grab me and sort of scare me in terms of the challenge and in terms of the subject matter, the same way that out of darkness did. Cause when we started with out of darkness, I did not have a clue how we were going to make this movie happen. And that's a good place to be because it pushes you. You've really got to be good and you've got to be on your A-game every day. Um, and I haven't read anything that's really surprised me in that way. But I've got, you know, I, I want to try all, the, I want to try lots of genres. I want to try sci-fi. I want to do, I'd love to do a heist movie someday. I'm writing just now, I, I've written, I'm up to third draft on a, on a, a noir that Ooh. I want to do. Um oh, wow. So, but it's set in the UK, um, but it's yeah, it's a noir film, and just anything that's dark and subversive and has something to say, but it's still like entertaining. Um, that's that's where I want to be, and whether it's a horror or it's a you know, like I say, another genre, I don't care. I just want to make stuff that I would pay to see. That's that's it, really. That's that's the remit. Well, since you mentioned horror and you are mentioning other genres, but this mm. is a horror centric podcast, and sure. I got to ask you about. Your history, history with horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take me back in you time, You already mentioned man. some of it, and I'm loving where you started because uh, Aliens is one of my favorite all-time movies ever. Me too. Me too. Uh, and Oliver and Ruth. I mean, that was really – Alien was the shared template for this film in terms of – I mean, obviously the subject matter and the storyline, but just how – every part of the director's toolkit is in that movie and how he absolutely rinsed it, you know? So anyway, I could talk about Alien all day, but I I mean, my first knowledge of horror of really like losing my shit to something was actually, I was on, I was on vacation with my parents and we were in a hotel room and there was a short film on channel four in the UK used to be this really kind of left field channel and it showed they took a lot of risk and they, sh- they showed this short film it's called out of town and it's about this hitchhiker backpacker played by a very young david morrissey who was in the walking dead he's a really good british actor and he gets his foot stuck in a hole and he's stuck in this hole and he can't get his foot out and all these strange individuals are walking past him and i'm watching this thing that's kind of like a comedy but it's got a dark edge and then at some point 
this hole just sucks him into the ground and he's screaming in agony as this hole kind of crushes his body up and drags him into this hole. <laughs> and I remember freaking out so badly that my parents had to turn the, the station off, had to turn the TV off and calm me down. And I must have been, I don't know, seven or eight. And it just, it's still, I don't remember a lot about that film. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's called Out of Town. I think it's from 1987. And, um, and it just, it's the image of that. And the, it was the first time I really understood fear, but through film. Like, not fearing as like, oh, here's a wild dog coming towards me. Or, oh, I've lost my mother in the shop. What am I going to do? That fear that has been, you've been manipulated by a moving image. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was Big the first time. time I felt that. And then uh, my next memory of being really freaked out too early in life was I saw The Shining. <laughs> uh, again, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> quite young. Uh, like I'd say maybe on the cusp of my teens. And I just remember the woman coming out of the bath. Oh, yeah. Laughing. I, I, you know, and that was full on. I had to hide behind the couch and tell, I think again, what, what were my parents thinking? Like I'd say, my parents put it off, put it off. I can't take this. Um, and I never saw the rest of the movie for a good few years because I had to build up to the woman in the back, the, you know, the woman in room 237. Um, so that, and again, you know, it's only as you get older, you understand why that movie hits the way it does and, and his Kubrick's use of perspective and the way the geography of the hotel doesn't make sense and the way that the performances are so fucking exaggerated from the very beginning. It's all just working together to create this feeling this intensity um so yeah the shining was a big one and then alien and then not strictly a horror but i would argue it is a horror because again of the one of the best jump scares i remember is seven and oh john, yeah you know john doe um and 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 yes. uh, the this this the um you know the the guy who jumped the, the dead body that's still alive yeah um the which yeah the is, the the uh, it's the Shot. um the the sitted tree the sitted yeah, tree yeah yeah exactly yeah the, these right. little sitted trees he's is he sloth yeah. I yeah I think he may be the sloth victim um and they, you know that jump scare is still getting done I've been watching True Detective and you know the, <laughs> the guy in yeah. the ice and the guy's still alive yeah but it doesn't hit as hard as it did on Seven when I saw that when I was around fourteen or fifteen That's and it's scene. not strictly a horror right it's a police procedural but he he shot it like a horror and again I. It, we it's, count it over here, but we claim it's, it. It's it's on my top ten horror list of all time. Yeah, it is. I I count seven as a horror movie. So yeah. Yeah. and and again, it's because he doesn't show you any of the killings. He only shows you the aftermath. And you know, like even when they're talking about the sloth victim in the hospital, he says, "If you shine a flashlight in his eyes right now, he would die of shock." And it's just these little images that you've got in your, you know, these little seeds that he puts in your head and you know even the 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 vet the the, the, the model um who has her nose cut off despite her face you don't really see it you just see the um the the forensics guy turn away and that's enough and so he's so good at that and you know the head in the box there's a subliminal flash of Gwyneth Paltrow but her head isn't in the box it's just her looking at the camera and looking really peaceful but you you swear in your head you can imagine her head in that box and so that for me is it's almost perfect. So what horror does best sometimes is it doesn't 
punch you in the face. It just taps you on the shoulder. And that's what seven does so well. Is it just sort of just needles you in the back. It doesn't go in for the kill. Um, and, you know, and the thing is, he shoots it like a perfume commercial. It's <laughs> so seductive, the way it's shot, because he doesn't want you to look away. He wants you to like, come, come and see, come and see. It's like, so, yeah, that's that for me. That's, that's again, another one from my youth that just really resonated hugely. I think you pulled off that that startle scene with the jaw yeah. scene in 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 your movie because oh, nice. Jesus Christ, I'll take yeah. that. That's, Was that's not good. expecting it, right? <laughs> um, and then what? Else? And then it's, and then you know, and then I I remember. I mean, I'm hitting a lot of the the big the big hitters here, right? But then I remember going to see the Blair Witch Project twice oh. in 1999. The first time I saw it with some friends, and I just it just it really affected. Did you me. think it? Did you think it was real? I know, no, I didn't no, because at that damn. stage I was really getting interested in films, and oh, I knew the mar- I knew the marketing campaign was like amazing. <laughs> we all I mean, thought it was we real. All, <laughs> we all thought it was real, man. Right. Like, we yeah. saw that yeah, shit we... in like the sixth grade, seventh grade. Oh, uh, okay, you yeah, know, I was yeah, Woo! yeah. No, no, no. We I was scared, I, boy. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we we didn't have the internet back then, and we lived in a very small town, so yeah, there was no we were... like outside influences and we were friends with a lot of, we were friends with a lot of older kids that knew it wasn't real but they fucked with us and told us about how real it was anyway right. just to fuck with us so like yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, woo, yeah I, was I, was, I was scared of them woods ball <laughs> oh yeah dude <laughs> it's, you got? The, it's the hands on the wall was the thing for me it's like oh sh-. like this just that little touch of like kids hands on a wall as they're trying to find um, their friend who's screaming the house down, I just and you know and, and just um, is it Mike just with his turned away into the corner? Yeah, the way yeah. Are like them. Fuck. Somebody standing in a corner has never been scarier. That Not that right. That was so. We call that getting the free songs. That's when you get mm-hmm. the goosebumps. Seeing mm-hmm. Mike standing in the corner, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I know what's coming. Rustin Parr, the ghost of Rustin mm-hmm. Parr, the Blair Witch. They down yeah. there with you, cousin. Yeah, and it so much, and that film stayed with me so much. I saw it again a week later because I took, I wanted to go with some other friends, and I just watched them for the entire runtime. I was just looking at their reactions, but I've never watched the sequel, Book of Shadows, and never watched the Blair Witch because I just felt anything that takes because that film now, I've, I, those are the only two times I've seen it. I've never seen it again since, and I don't want to, quite frankly. But I just never wanted anything to dilute that feeling, that just that raw dread that I had pretty much for the entire runtime of the film. There's um, a movie that came out last year called Skinamarink that I won't watch again because the first few watches did that for me where like right. I, I saw it and I got it. I was like, okay, I don't want I don't want to water it down. And quite right. quite frankly, I it's too it hurts hard. You too much. Yeah, it's mm. too hard to watch it again. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I, that's how I feel with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw that. Woo! Yeah, I, I saw that um, maybe around when I was 17, 18, because I'd heard about it a lot, but it was only when the DVDs became, you know, ubiquitous everywhere that you could get your hands on these things. And I, I've only, I've still, I own the poppy. It's downstairs, and I hope my, my kids never find it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we're not too many. We're not yeah. too many miles away from Texas, man. So that one right. hit hard for us too right. when we were kids. Yeah. But but um <laughs> but again that it was you know, again, something so gnarly about it and the fact that it was done so cheap and yeah. no holds barred and it Yeah, like I remember a... I, I watched it one time and I went, I don't want to watch that again. That that'll do. It looks like a know, snuff movie. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the grittiness. 
Mm-hmm. I love the grittiness of it, yeah. man. Anything that mm-hmm. looks like you shouldn't be watching it always yeah. has like a like yeah. some sort of resonance to it. Well, that was the same with Cannibal Holocaust as well, right? That was oh, that was yeah. one of those movies that was whispered about, like you got you got to see up, who's got a copy, who's got a copy. Um, and yeah, it is. It's those films that you used to have to sneak into your VHS player if you managed to get a copy and like make sure your parents couldn't hear. Those were, those were the ones where it felt like you were doing something really wrong. And you know, we, I think in the UK, we banned a lot of those so-called video nasties. Video nasties, uh, yeah, yeah, right. for a while. But um, but yeah, so those are films I remember had a real impact. Um, and then uh, to be honest, I kind of. I kind of, I, I didn't get on board with the paranormal activity. I'm thinking now of the big beats in, in horror. I'm thinking of my, because I, until I really started making films, I wasn't studying horror as an exercise. It was just, what do I go to see? And I think I kind of pivoted away from the paranormal activity stuff because I just kind of felt, uh, snobbishly, I thought, well, this is just the Blair Witch Project again. It's that found footage thing. And I... You know, I think the Blair Witch Project just about pulled it off, but with the found footage Sean Ryan, I'm always like nobody would hold a camera up for this long. Do you know what I mean? So there's, I think as you as I got older, I kind of started to see through that concept a little bit. So I didn't really enjoy those found footage movies as much, and um, and but then and then really, you know, you'd watch. There's another great, there's a great Spanish horror film called Who Can Kill a Child. You ever seen? It's um, it was based on a book. And there was like a Mexican remake made a few years ago, but I think the guy made it really cheap. But this is a really cool movie. I won't spoil it for you, but it's the basic premise is there's an English couple that go on holiday to this Spanish resort. And one day they take a boat ride over to this island. And on the island, there are no adults and just children. And the children are a bit fucking weird. Uh, and that, oh, that's nice. All no, That's it's awesome. like the European children of the corner, what? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, it's it's that, and it's a little bit of like Battle Royale and a little bit of Lord of the Flies, you know that kind oh, of thing. Oh shit! And it's just, mm-hmm. but it's very again, it's it was made it was made cheap in the seventies, and there's a dub on the voices, which you know, so there's a lot of things that can throw you if you're looking hard. But as a concept, it's great. Like it's really such a full bloody concept, and it, I. I I sometimes think, God, who's would be a great remake because the the themes are still really resonant. But like, I don't know who's going to let you remake that movie because yeah, it's the film's called Who Can Kill a Child, so you kind of know where it's going, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, but you should check. You should try and you should try and cop that because it's um it's another film that I saw and just thought this is really smart filmmaking again genre. And it sees it through all the way, but it still has something to say. And that, that's where you want to be. You know, that's where I like to be anyway. What yeah. Be- and so those are those are some early those are some early ones that I re- that off the top of my head I remember and really resonate. But then there's like there's like there's a there's a history in the UK of really great sort of ghost stories. Have, have you seen there's a film from the is it late forties? Uh, the Innocence by Jack Clayton. It's like a no. proper ghost story film, black and white. Um about a woman who comes to teach these two troubled children um, at this big kind of English manor house. And there are ghosts and it's just this really spooky ghost story. And it's eerie as fuck. Like, again, like really good, you know, goosebumps. And so The Innocence is a great film. The original The Haunting, I remember seeing at film school. It's all coming back to me now. Um, Seeing that and again, a really great ghost story. So, yeah, just all of that stuff sticks with you. 
atmosphere. Even, yeah, yeah, but even non-horror films, like I, I really love Sicario. You know, like you know yes. when she, she sees all the bodies in the drywall, um, yeah, and Sicario's there's all the dope. and the all the, the the body parts dangling from the overpass, and and Benicio del Toro just says, "Welcome to Juarez." It's like. I mean, that's that's scary. That scares me. <laughs> Who did that one? That was um. That was Denny Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah, he's going on that way. He's got that Dune coming out. I need to watch the first one. Ooh, I can't wait. I need for the to watch the first one. Um, you do need to watch the first one. I will. And also, hold, hold the fuck no, up! You yet. still ain't watched the first <coughs> Dune, Travis? Not yet. God wow. damn it, boy! I will. Wow. Uh, listeners, go check out the link in the show notes. I'm putting a link in there for Out of Town from 1987. You can indeed watch it on YouTube, so I'll have that there. Um, I don't know how it holds up now, by the way. It might just be really, really cheesy, but I think I still Hey, bro, we love cheesy. Eight or nine. So I don't, I don't know how it holds up these days, but uh, yeah, I remember at the time it was a visceral reaction. <laughs> we appreciate Have you ever heard of a movie called, oh, what is it now? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, you're talking about that? Night of the Demon. About... Oh, okay. <laughs> Night of the Demon. I feel like I should. Night of the Demon. There's a black yeah, and white it... one from the 50s, but then there's a gnarly one from the 80s. There's right. one. There's well, there's more than one from the 80s, but the one I'm talking about is the shittier one, and it's about a killer Sasquatch, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. Night of the Demon, full Bigfoot horror. Yeah, enjoy oh, yeah. the whole thing. On YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah, but If you oh, like right. and schlocky and oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but Because yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's the thing that I was really... I went, I saw Toxic Avenger at, um, mm-hmm. at Fantastic Fest. And I kind of... I always find, like... Obviously, there's people... The, some people say the schlockier, the better. But maybe I just take myself... Maybe I'm just too serious or whatever. But I always find sometimes the schlock like undercuts the horror. Um, you know, and then so the schlockiness kind of takes me out of it a little. So I, I always my I like my horror films to be like just really straight faced. Like mm-hmm. I can't. There's even some stuff within the Evil Dead that I just find just goes too far towards the. Funny oh, you're thing. killing him! You're yeah, killing him! Look at him! I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I probably there's like so many people tuning off right now. Just like this. No, 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 no. But no, man. but I get it. But it's just. It's, it's you know the the genre that scares me the most is the comedy horror because I just think these two things like it's maybe maybe that shows my limitations as now, a film. No, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Oh, like I just done. feel those two things just don't one can't they cancel each other out. So it's like I just feel like what am I watching? So I can agree with that to an extent. I think I think you have to do it right. Cause I'm oh, yeah. I'm the I'm the guy that loves like comedy horror. Like my top ten Shaun list of the dead probably has like five different Edgar comedy Wright horrors in yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one I watched last year that was my uh, my top four last year. In, well, I say last year. In 2022 was Deadstream. Dead yeah, and Deadstream, the comedy in it highlighted the horror and made it ten times better. And it was done excellently, right? right? So I think there are some movies that try to lean too far into the comedy and they ended up, over like you said, like overshadowing the horror, and then it just becomes a a what you know what is this? Um, Am I supposed uh, to be laughing or enjoying all yeah. this bloodshed or what? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we we do like our sloppy a whole lot, also. Yeah, so. we're we're a bunch of goofy boys. Yeah, but I, we like think, we like high end. We like high end arty stuff too. But you know, I think the thing I like about horror 
and I've always responded to this. It's just it's so broad. Like it's versatile, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. You know, and, and it's everybody and the, the other thing is everybody has their threshold, right? Some people can go some people are like human thinks human centipedes the human centipede is tame. Yeah. 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 Right. Whereas and some people think that um, you know, that, yeah, it just it's your it depends on your threshold and depends yeah. where you're comfortable and how comfortable how far you want to push yourself out of that comfort zone and and that's what horror is great at it just it's it's a very safe place for you to lose your shit mm-hmm. for for ninety minutes and you know and then and then go back to whatever the real shit is that's going on in your life but that's that's the thing I respond to is there's so many parts to it and so many like you know flavors. And so there's there's something for everybody, um, and that's I think why why horror film in the last ten years specifically seems to have just punched through in a whole new way, mm-hmm. yeah. and, it, and it annoys me a little bit because you get people in the UK as well who call it elevated horror. Right, I hate that term. It's really annoying because it's almost saying, well, the stuff that isn't elevated is like beneath us and it's not worth right. it. That's condescending. It's like an underhanded comment. You got to look at your horror kind of like a a drink, right? Like you want some orange juice in the morning. I want some apple juice. Travis wants some grape juice. Look, it's all horror. I want a beer. It's all good. (laughs) I want Um, a fucking Miller Lite, man. But but look, sometimes (laughs) I want to watch a movie and I want to just have to like mentally have my brain explode. And there's other times where I want to watch a horror movie and I just want to laugh and I want to just kick back. And I don't want to have to think about it. I just want to enjoy you know what's going on right um so i mean i think you know people look get off your horse man just just enjoy it let other people enjoy it if you're not in the mood for it cool but maybe i am so you know one day one day andrew's gonna have to make a horror comedy that's what's gonna hit then he'll be like hell no andrew andrew needs to come on for our christmas special when we cover serbian film Oh God! God. (laughs) Look his face. (laughs) No, no. More realistically, when we cover Alien, that's when you should come back. Um, Yeah, yeah. Because we still got to do that one one day. Um, We do. I can't can't wait, sir. Thank you for your time. Um, coming and talking about this this awesome movie. Uh, We really appreciate it. Hope you get to make a sci-fi. Hope you get to make a noir. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be watching out for you, bud. Thank you, guys. Honestly, this has been a blast. Thank you. It's it's nice to do something that just feels a bit more uh, informal and just like, you know, sitting around and shoot the shit. So I I, I really appreciate it, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, man. Definitely, man. The next movie you do, just shoot us the name of it and we'll we'll, we'll watch it for sure. I loved what you did with this one. I'm just going to let you know. You made a really good movie. I enjoyed it. I plan on watching it in theaters. So, yeah. Thank that, you, guys. That's great to hear. Thank you so much. That being said, everybody go see Out of Darkness in theaters February 9th. And uh, stay tuned because we're about to do the Midnight Ritual. That was director Andrew coming, and we're about to be coming all over our own face, necks, and chests. Ha-ha! Uh... I had so much, I'm so proud of myself. I exercised so much refrain from making cum jokes to Andrew. Sorry, so, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I had to exercise so much self-control because I am an illiterate child person. Anytime anyone, like there's name making funnery going on, Yeah. Um, I always refer to myself because Travis Boone ate a coon with a dirty spoon. Okay. 
<laughs> I heard it all growing up, baby. I heard it. It was like the goddamn prime, like Ricky said, it was primal earth on that playground when I was a kid. Dude, <laughs> they dude, had children running too, around everywhere I was screaming. Ricky Lake every day. This was before Talladega Nights. So when I was a kid, I was Ricky Lake. That was very emasculating. <laughs> Hosting them daytime talk shows. It was always Ricky Lake or Ricky Ricardo. Uh, Lucy. I take Ricky once Ricardo. Talladega. Once Talladega Nights came out, now it's a synonymous Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what everyone says, Ricky Bobby. I'm surprised we don't call you that more. Well, we're dropping the, a, we're dropping my you. ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Travis wanna... has one ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what that's you, why that's funny. <laughs> you don't already know. <laughs> what you want to do for tonight's midnight ritual is you want to have two balls in the prehistoric times. You Otherwise, need both, boy. you're gonna get prehistorically cucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just like gear. What you're gonna want to do is reach adulthood and become a woman. And stuff a bunch of old dry grass up your cooch <laughs> yeah. to try to keep yourself from bleeding all over so that the alpha male in charge doesn't instantly try to impregnate you in front of everyone against your will. <laughs> yeah. Stone Age politics, baby. Yeah. I'm a NGC Trev, and um, what you're going to want to do... Not good not content. Good, not good Trev. content, Trev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm Doja Cat Rick, by the way. Uh, bitch, I'm a cow. All right, Trev. <laughs> so what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna want to get old, older, older than like your nephew, definitely. Ooh. And you want to become that weird uncle that manages to survive by being a piece of shit. Hell yeah. Damn. That's what you're gonna want to do. Hell yeah. I guess so back you then. Survive. Yeah, feed them right. kids to yeah. the, feed them kids to the forest I'm, demon. I'm, Fuck it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the uncle in this movie probably would have got like axed early on if people really knew what kind of piece of shit he was. And what you're gonna want to do is you're gonna want to listen to "I'm a Survivor." I'm not gonna give up. Give by up. Destiny's oh. If you have not seen tonight's movie, Out of Darkness, which is in theaters now, you better go watch it, bitch. Bitch, <laughs> you better go watch it. <laughs> Out of Darkness is a 2024 British survival prehistoric Stone Age horror film directed by Andrew Cumming in his feature-length debut, starring Safia Oakley-Green as Bea, Chukumodu as Adam, Kit Young as Gear, Eola Evans as Avi, Luna Muezzi as Heron. That's uh, the, the, the boy. The boy. He's yeah. just a boy. And Orno Looning as Odal, that fear-mongering, whining old bitch. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what he do in the movie, man. I that like dude, him though. He I like favorite. him too. I like him, but you know, I'm just saying that's what he did. Um, that's definitely what he did. Andrew Cumming wanted to make a Paleolithic horror film, and he was discussing this with producer Oliver Castman around 2015, and they wrote a treatment for it. They paired up with Ruth Greenberg, and um, the rest is history, right here. 
The movie was shot like, yeah, (laughs) baby Ruth. The movie was shot during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, as uh, you heard Mr. Cummings say earlier, in Scotland. Um, We kind of did a lot of this production already, so sort of like the seating. I mean, fuck all this. We gonna dive in it. Yeah, we just go ahead. Let's get on a boat, travel across a strange ocean, lose all of our food in the water on the way there. (laughs) Yep. And then make a fire and explore this motherfucker. I was definitely, I was definitely very jealous about the ability to just go to an unknown place that no one's ever been to in forever, yeah, and right. just explore it. Yeah, it's got it. It gives you that sense of of adventure until you get yeah. there and you realize it, it's a cos- <laughs> it's a cosmic hellscape. <laughs> That's right. Yep. This movie starts with a fire in the distant dark, and that's very fitting for what this movie is. Um, Forty five thousand years ago is our little our little. Uh, credit that we get so we know the set the set the the year it takes place is just fucking forever ago and the little boy heron wants to hear a story so odile the elder starts telling about a great voyage across a treacherous ocean and a new world that's full of promise but when they get there the land is cursed and he says uh this land is old and dark and full of demons that's this is where you get that line that I was referring to where Adam is like uh, I'm the light in this darkness and Odal warns him that it's dangerous to bring light into dark places mm-hmm. and then we get our title card so like kind of ominous opening and we realize that the story Odal is telling Heron is basically it's their what's story going on. they're basically catching you up which I think is brilliant how they catch yes. you up right at the beginning I didn't pick up on that the first time as well yeah, like, they're I, basically I, I telling you everything. Like, boom, here it is. These motherfuckers are stranded here with no food because mm-hmm. they're following Adam's dumbass. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> I, I think it, <laughs> we need some I, milk. So <laughs> I, I do think it's here on imp- some milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's important to 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 say that, like, uh, Adam, the the fucking the leader right the alpha whatever you want to call it um he had actually wanted uh ave to tell a story first and she was like nah i'm not your mama yeah and and basically the man like adam was like you're gonna fucking do this that's my son tell my son a story bitch. yeah yeah and then he's basically like my you better tell my son a story he needs to know about con conflict and struggle because he's a man right yeah Yep, because the movie the movie does play with gender roles, um, and you know that's sort of what Stone Age politics. Yeah, you know, is what Um, it is, and it's gonna subvert them, which is not uncommon in the horror genre. Uh, Like 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 Andrew said himself, we get a final girl in this movie, so you know it's 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 a horror trope, and I'm not against it. Um, in fact, I think everybody likes a final girl. I mean, no one's against it. Bay is dope. Yeah. I don't know uh, how to say her name really. She Bay. Bayer. Bayer? Is Bea. it Bayer? It's Bayer. Bea. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Um, and I know that Trevor said Adem, so I guess that's how you say it. I, right. I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like his name sounds like Adam, and Ava's sounds like Eve. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a reference. Um, but oh. yeah, yeah. Or Ave, it's, whatever her name is. It, it's also worth mentioning that. Um, I, I'm I don't know I'm calling her Ave I don't know why but she's like full on preggers for Adam she's got yeah got that baby up in there so 
Ave is Adam's slam piece. <laughs> Stone Age slam piece. Ooh, uh, the, the next good band name. They play. <laughs> they play. They play bone much and punk. That's what they do. Bone, was what? it bone bone crunch and punk rock? Ooh, it's uh, like a Flintstones punk band. Yeah, that sounds dope as fuck. They're playing the fucking guitar, which is really just a bird with strings on it, and the bird's like, "It's 11. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Gear and uh, Ave are joking about having to eat Odal because they ain't got no food, and they're looking upon this barren ass landscape. And Adim is like, "Trust me, there's caves and warmth and animals, just right over there. We just need to keep walking in that direction. I know what I'm doing. I'm a man." And they they journey for several days and come across like a stripped carcass of what I thought was a mammoth. A mammoth, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so y'all. And know if you know if you know your Neolithic history, you know that cave people used to drive per- mammoths off a drive cliff. Drive them right off yep. of cliffs. So. Yep. But these cave people didn't know that apparently. <laughs> One of them did. Mm-hmm. He said it was pushed off. Right, but I think he's. Uh, well, I don't want to get too far into it. He's suspecting some sort of monster. Oh, yeah. Or Dude, foul witchery. That's the thing that, like, b- back then, because, like, now we know the world and the mysteries of it are, like, far and few between. You almost have to make them up, <clears throat> tar- Tartaria, in order right, to get you almost got to of... make them up, Flat Earth. <laughs> yeah, to, to enjoy Tartaria. a mystery again, you got to fucking make right. them up and believe them, like me. Right. Um, But back then... The world was literally just unknown to you. Like, no one knows what the fuck is in the dark. Nobody knows what's... Like Trev said, you're just in this new place to explore. And, dude, for all you know, you could literally step over the foot... Cross over the foothills, and the earth has teeth, and it gobbles you up. You don't know. You don't know. Right. I love that. There could just be fields of dicks everywhere, just shoot and come into the air. And you find out that's where the rain comes when it crosses the ocean. You don't know. You don't know. You've been it, it, just all getting cummed on over there. The earth is Europe, coming on you. You dummies. It's coming and coming. It's coming. <laughs> like coming, coming all the time. <laughs> There's going to be so many nut jokes now. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Um, Adam, or Adam, whatever, he keeps it a secret. He's like, let's not tell the others about this mammoth. He's talking to gear because they're out, they're out like scouting and hunting and whatever. They're trying to hunt, but there ain't shit there. Odal starts this is where he starts complaining. And this is this is something he's gonna do a good bit. And Hell yeah, uh, my boy complained. And for good reason. He's like, We're exposed. Like we're out in the elements, man. And Adem is like, You shut the fuck up. This is why the, the other people didn't take you south with them. And right. I took I took pity on you. And this this is what, what Andrew was talking about when he said that, you know, everyone has a role and usefulness and Odal, even though he's a like an older man and and a complainer. He's still wise, and he's like, you really have me here in in case Avi dies because I'm going to forage for you if if she can't do it. So I I know know what time it is, Adem. You ain't ain't pulling the wool over my my I'm not stupid. I'm old enough not to be stupid, son. Mm -hmm. He uh, he says, you do nothing out of pity. Right. Yep. That's a good good line because that keys you into something that you're going to find out pretty quick about our fearless leader and his general nature and shittiness. I will I will give him some credit coming up 
uh, in a minute. I will give him some credit, but 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 it's after he's creepy. Um, so it kind of cancels out. But that uh, night, Bea starts bleeding, and right. come, Bea, come, Bea, Bea gets her first blood. Yeah, she comes. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone pops out of her crotch, <laughs> and he's like, "It's never over." <laughs> <laughs> they they drew first blood, not me. She she comes into being a woman. She gets her womanhood here. Uh, and Ave's, yeah, Ave's washing her, her pants for her, and she's basically like, don't worry. Now you have a purpose. Now you're important to him. Right. It's a good, it's it's a good thing. She's telling her how, like, oh, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be his, his, uh, slam piece for the rest of your life and have to bear his children and work hard and, and this and that. But it's a good thing because now you won't starve. Mm-hmm. You've got a place in our little, our little family, our little tribe, the, the, tribal importance, man. You need to be useful, and it's it it it's fucked up. Maybe from this day and age's perspective, but back then, it's just the true truth. It's just how it was. Because how else are you gonna eat? And you could tell this affects her because that night when Adim is standing guard by the fire while they sleep, she wakes up and he looks over at her and she's kind of like portraying, you know, an, a very nervous innocence. In her right. eyes. Like, that's one thing about the performances in this movie. I think because the language is um, something we've never heard before, it has to, the performances have to come across through the actions, through the facial expressions, more so than just in delivering normal. dialogue. Right. And they do a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all do a great and job. And even, even in the language, also, but like, like you're saying, it's got to. There's, there's got to be more of a physicality to the portrayal of these thoughts and these emotions as well. And I, I'm glad you picked up on that because I did too. I was like, man, look how scared this girl looks after that girl told her, you know. And it sure doesn't take this motherfucker long, boy. No. She, well, she grabs a rock, a sharpened rock to like, and she's going to carry that bitch the rest of the movie to defend herself as she sleeps from... Not only what's yeah. out in the darkness, but also what's in their Because she's camp. worried about Adam. Yeah, yeah. Adam. You get you get foggy foothills and and it's it's like beautiful scenery. And Heron uh, starts playing hide and seek with with his dad, his dad, which is kind of freaking his dad out because he's like, you can't just run away, you know, like you can't just right. run off because who knows what the fuck is out there. Yeah, this shows that that Adam is very very concerned about his legacy. Um, I mean, sure, he's concerned about his son. Yeah. But I think I think Adem is also very selfish and concerned about his legacy. And if his oldest son is dead, then, you know, obviously that's a, a black mark on it. So he's yeah. very worried. Yeah, if he's going to be the king of this new land, he's got to worry about his lineage. Exactly. Keep that intact. Adim and Gear come across a forest leading to a mountain, and it's kind of like, sha-na-na, we're not going in there. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that night, Avi is in pain because she's super preggers, and they have not been eating. I don't know how they're alive. And Adim, this is this is where he gets rapey, man. With yeah, Be- so, with he, so she goes she goes to change her, her uh, hay tampon. And and that's when the motherfucker finds her, and he's creepy and rapey, and he's telling her stuff like, my child and my partner, they might die, 
And that's why I'm so happy to have you around. And he's touching her on the face. And then he straight up trumps her and grabs her on the crotch. Luckily, that's when they hear a a nasty, gnarly scream or squawk in the distance that breaks up that tension Mm -hmm. and uh, scares the shit out of everybody in the camp. That's that unknown. That's that unknown screeching from the fucking beyond. And uh, they're all hiding by the fire and just out of nowhere, Heron gets took. He gets sucked off screen, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) He passes out of the pod. Um (laughs) I, I want to point out, Heron is played by a, a, a girl. What? Yep. I did not notice. Just All right. po- pointing that out. Good job, Heron. I, I didn't notice either. Yeah. Um, they track Heron the next day, and sure enough, guess where it takes them? Shana not in forest. the woods. Oh, <laughs> Shana shout Forest. Out, <laughs> shout out, Shana. Say you love Satan. Oh yeah. Hashtag say you love Satan. And they, this is where they find the fucking boneyard, man. I love, this is just a great the set boneyard. piece. boneyard. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just bones and blood and sinew all over the ground in the middle of the forest. Fucking screeching horror is chasing them as night is falling. There's two scenes in this movie that executed suspense and, and like caught me in the suspense. This is the first mm-hmm. one. When it's getting darker and darker, and you can you can tell just by the lighting, like it's 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 re- shot really well. And Avi is trying to start a fire. Is it Avi or Bea? It's Bea. Bea is trying to start a fire as Adam and Gear are holding their spears, like just you know looking around, freaking the fuck out, wild eyed, because something's stalking them. And right as it gets dark, she finally lights that fire. And I was sitting there like, what's about to happen? So that 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 moment got me, man, and I like the way it was shot. Like that's, I'd be proud if I if I shot that scene for real. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Odal's bitching again, by the way, while this is happening, he's like, "You've gotten us all <laughs> T- talking to them." Yeah. Yeah. Odal is convinced that there's evil sp- spirits in the forest or a demon. Yeah. I like it. I like this fucking guy. He's he's great. Yeah, I, and I want to point out, I'm not I'm not saying that his character. Sucks. No, no, no. His character doesn't suck. He would just be a sucky person to have to be around in a prehistoric survival horror situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, you don't want this dude on your team because he's going to be dragging down the morale and making everything yep. seem bleak and hopeless. And it's like, dude, look around. You, you and then you it know. only gets worse from there. That's what he does. I mean, I did a piece of shit too because, like, once they get the fire going, he slaps the ever living shit out of Gear and his pregnant wife. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He be beating <laughs> like everybody he, in the he, camp. Yeah. Yeah. He literally just like smacks people around. He's like, you're going to listen to me, damn it. But then he's stupid because he's like, for someone who's supposed to be smart, then he's like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and throw my, my weapon, my spear into the fucking dark at this creature that I can't see. That I can't see exactly. Yeah. Well, this is where I wanted to give him a little bit of credit because instead of, you know, he's not a coward. I'm going to give him that. Even, even if he's scared. He he's trying to take down whatever it is that's that's after them. So the throwing of the spear is not a smart move. He should have kept it and ran, but he ran into the into the dark to try to find whatever yeah. the fuck it yeah, is he, to take it out. He he took Gare's spear and then fucking took off into the forest. But it's like, all right, cool. So now you left everybody defenseless. Threw threw away the first spear, took the second spear, left nobody with, with any other weapons, and then ran into the forest after this creature. Right. Not the smartest thing. All you in got the world. Is, is fucking uh, Bea's little rock dagger. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which 
is quite effective, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks pretty goddamn sharp to me. I'm just uh, saying. Uh, mm-hmm. A dam does get attacked by an unseen entity, and that is when Gear goes off to to try to bring him back. And when Gear pulls him back in, boy, Ooh. Mm-hmm. my boy Chirr. got the brakes beat off him or he the got, jaw. He got the <laughs> jaw ripped off him. Yeah, well, still attached, sort of. It's kind I, of attached, but it's definitely off of his bone structure mm-hmm. and just hanging in a pile of gore and skin. It looks like the thing that and got he's me was the crying. Little, the little teeth just, just yeah, kinda... the teeth everywhere. Oh, I bro. like the fact that he's crying too, bro, while he's gurgling and. and... Mm-hmm. I love it. So good. Bea steps up. Yeah, no one wants. Out. No one's got the balls to uh, put him out of his misery except Bea. That's how yep. you know she's going to be the yeah, final well, girl. The uncle tells Gear that he needs to man up and do it, and Gears can't fucking do it. So. Gear can't do it. He's like, "That's my brother. I can't do it." Naka. Yeah, I put my my note on this was man. Bea got them cockles. Yeah, looks, right. looks him straight Bea in the got- eye. Looks him straight in the eye and puts that fucking stone to his heart and just taps that bitch. Taps ah. it with a rock, son. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bea, Bea, uh, she got the minerals, so to speak. Then she takes it one step further. Yes, she does. She takes it one step further and says, guess what, guys? Cook some rice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that boy about to get it. Supper's egg. ready. Mm-hmm. We ain't eating like a week. We about to eat good tonight, boy. Yeah, which at this point, Alba has started having a stroke. Yeah, I, like, I, Whatever her name is, pregnant chick, she's having seizures. She's having strokes. She's looking like she's possessed. She's hurting in so much pain. So that girl, she's with child. She needs to fucking eat now. So she's in so much pain that she doesn't really even question eating some of Adem's cooked flesh. That's right, folks. We got some good old-fashioned cannibalism. Are they the only two that even partake in the eating, or does Odal? I know, I know, uh, Gear doesn't eat. I don't think Gear. Gear doesn't. No, he he doesn't have the uh, minerals. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on that man. I'm not gonna. I could. I will. Yeah, I oh. will. If it's us three, and I'm dead, y'all, and we're in that situation. If y'all don't eat me, I'm gonna be mad at y'all in the afterlife. I'm just saying. You you want to like, hear? Yeah, I'm gonna call all... y'all some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'll I'll put my notes on gear. So the first thing was gear says we don't eat our own. We aren't monsters. Mm-hmm. And then and then gear throws up mostly liquid because he ain't eating nothing in a while. Yep. Gear. Th- then my next note was gear going hungry like a dummy. Pig all then... hungry. <laughs> <laughs> then gear says he'll get him out the woods, but then he doesn't. So that's a little bit further. So like, I just when Ricky dies and we don't eat him, his ghost is gonna be singing fucking "I'm going hungry." Yeah. I mean, I would, I don't, I don't enjoy the thought of having to like turn to cannibalism to survive. But no, um, of course not. But you fucking God you do what it, you man. gotta do, bro. Sometimes you're in you a just foreign gotta land do. with monsters around, and you ain't not, ain't nothing in a week. You better cook some rice, man. Yeah, I guess make since you gave me to go, you gave me to go ahead. I'll I'll make sure I got my Louisiana hot sauce, my Tabasco. I'll flavor you up, cousin. Dude, if we're yeah. ever in a land with no food by ourselves and no means to survive, and I done got my jaw ripped off, <laughs> yeah, bro. 
put me yeah. out of my misery and please put me out of my misery and then eat him. <laughs> I'm just saying. Then then after we eat him, so now that we've chosen to eat him, when he haunts us, he's gonna follow us, bro. Why you ate me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna still be clowning. I'm gonna be yeah. clowning. Oh, yeah. I'm be like, yeah. y'all are yeah. fucking sick, boy. It's all right. <laughs> I'm gonna play phasmophobia and I'm gonna be like, Ricky, are you there, bro? Oh, and then, <laughs> are you in the room? Are you can in you the give room? Us and, then, a sign? and then I, I walk away and I come back and there's a big can of caulk right on my laptop, just chilling. Yeah. Are you hear me, Martin? Yeah. I like how in this scenario, like where the nightclub is stranded in prehistoric Scotland, <laughs> Ricky's a ghost that moves around cans of caulk and shit and farts on us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, they all fear being eaten by the unseen and a dim after they eat a dim. Oh no, no, that's the line that I like. Um, what's this gears like? Uh, it's not going to eat us because it didn't eat a dim. You did didn't eat a dim. You did. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I liked it that line yeah. a lot. He's so pissed. He's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they think about like trying to appease it somehow, but Odal's like, it's a demon. You know, it ain't going to yeah. be fucking appeased. Right. Gear wants to hunt it, but Baya says they need to find shelter. Odal keeps fear mongering and Gear's like, all right, I guess I got to step up and be the big cheese, the head honcho. Mm -hmm. And Odal basically gets primitive cooked right here. So he's, he's put in his place and, um, prehistorically cooked again, if you will. Mm -hmm. They, they head for the mountain. They start heading towards the mountain, like with Gear leading them, but he leads them right back to Adam's corpse. So he sucks at fucking whatever. Yeah. They went. They went in a big circle. Oh. How, do, <laughs> how, do, how do you do that? Um, the, you can't see the mountain? It's right there. Go towards the mountain. What you see, that's why, I was, that's why I was thinking there was some supernatural forces at work. Um, it was kind of like but, twilighty you know, and foggy and shit. I don't know. I guess. I, I, I guess. I, you know, I wasn't, so, I'm not in that situation. But it seems like a yeah. mountain would be hard to miss. But I don't know. Uh, it depends. If you're if you're in the woods, it might be hard to see that mountain. Yeah, true. and yeah. you could travel like you could travel twenty foot from your original destination in the woods, and it looks like a completely different fucking place. Like it, it does not take much to like. I can understand getting lost in the woods, even with landmarks. But um, anyway, he fucking sucks at it. Yeah. So that's when when Unk, <laughs> not Nunk, yeah, not Nunk all Nunk all says hey it's my turn and he makes the point that hey look brother demons didn't show up until this 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 girl right here started bleeding yeah basically. he says he says he basically she's lays on out there. heat she said she, he, yeah he says because she's on heat boy uh -huh. yeah boy. she she so then, rut. <laughs> yes yeah so then so then uncle Don knocks out gear well hold on hold on he he, he i like because he lays out their character roles oh he's go like, ahead. Go he's ahead. like i am wisdom avi carries life Gear is our spear, but Baya is whatever we need her for. Right. And then he, and then he knocks Gear the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And, and then Uncle and Prego Mom just start dragging her ass into the woods. She Preggers is is right on board with being a fucking yep. asshole. Like right. right on board. They're basically going to use her for bait. They go back to the it's cause of It's because of her that y'all are still alive. Well, not Gear, but y'all two bitches are still alive. And y'all gonna yeah. try to feed her to this demon. Yeah, uh -huh. the fact that you even have the strength to drag her ass in the forest is because of her. After like, that's the point out. part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, she's fighting them the entire way, obviously. 
And, and they do pay it to, like, the demon watching in the woods, whatever, the creature, right? right? And it's funny because, like, how they, they, they literally get lost in the woods, but then they know exactly where to bring her to, like, the kill zone for, that the creature has. Yeah. Right. Like, they're they're lost in the With woods. all these but, bones, right. But but they, they automatically just know where to bring her to find, like, the fucking mountain of bones and blood on rocks and shit like that. And I'm like, are you really lost in the woods or are you just fucking stupid? Because I, I don't, you know. Well, gear, it was Gear's fault. He didn't know where, where the hell he was going. True, true. Yeah, they bring her over there and she gets away from him. And Odal's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to stab the pregnant woman. Yeah. And, in and in the stomach, her. too. In the stomach. Yeah, so he's trying to take out the baby as well. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, pulls him down as she's dying, and he, like, he he falls he on... He gets wh- his foot stuck on a rock while he's falling or something, and, like, yeah. he fucking snaps the fuck out of his leg. Oh. Yeah. It's so gnarly. Yeah, it's brutal as fuck. So di- now both of these dummies <laughs> are just they, laying in a pile of bones. Dude, I love, like, I was sitting there, like, not not full-on belly laughing, but I was chuckling because I'm like, oh, yeah. they're dumb. They're so dumb. They just both won the Darwin Award. Yeah. Pretty much. They drug this yeah, chick my- to the boneyard and then, and then got themselves fucking fucked. Fitting. So my, <laughs> my, uh, my exact comment in my note was, man... They almost all some couillons, bro. Yeah, like that's that oh, was my yeah. literal my literal note. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Paleolithic um, couillons. So, <laughs> but then you do you do get the cool like cutscene of the Northern Lights, bro. Yeah, my favorite so, my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the night that that night the the Aurora Borealis lights just bathing the boneyard in that green hue and Bea like returning and looking at the terrified Odal who's just sitting there waiting to be fucking eaten or die or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you see something drag Ava's body away. So yeah. Prager, Prager's is gone. Um, I can't say enough about this shot. Again, this would be another one. If if I filmed this, I'd be so fucking proud of it. Good job, yes. everybody. Good job. The next morning, the, the the entire place is fucking filled with fog and Odal's dying He where he's dead. Uh, and then this quote-unquote forest demon is is chilling like right next to his body and you kind of see it and you kind of don't and uh just the look of it i you know at first i was like what in the fuck is this thing and y'all said wendigo it never crossed my mind but like after y'all said that well i was just thinking wendigo because i'm like oh look it's got kind of like roots and stuff Mm -hmm. the roots Uh uh-huh and uh and you know because of the cannibalism and such so i'm like oh is this maybe a a wendigo movie that would be cool it's got a root, the fa- it's got a the, root the, head. The, root the head. facial the facial structure was kind of um like horse like. Yeah. You're saying. So. Yeah. I was digging I was digging like the 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 barely getting to see it and like and wondering what is this yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um and it starts to approach gear, but Bea attacks it. The mask comes off and it's this woman who screeches mm-hmm. and we finally are like, Oh, that's what the screech has been. It's been this chick running around screaming at night. Why I don't yeah. know. Um, well, <laughs> this 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 was the part though where I'm like, is there is there something else out there though? Yeah, I, I yeah, couldn't right. tell. I just couldn't tell. Uh, not that it matters going forward, but because that that element of the movie is gone now. You not no more forest demon shenanigans. It's it's, it's just, just not gonna happen. it's just meth heads in the woods <laughs> with big old big old foreheads and eyebrows. Damn, cuz the big sexy. Neanderthal 
facial structures, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> they start following the the um the cave woman as she flees back to the mountain, but they lose track of her at some point. And this is when Gear starts whining and he becomes the new Odal. And Bay is like, "Nah, cousin, there's no going back. Like we gotta keep right. gotta keep going." Another brilliant shot. Uh, that's happening here where they're actually starting to climb the mountain and this lightning, this thunderstorm is rolling in. Just mm -hmm. magnificent. I wanted yeah. to ask him about that shot and I forgot. Cause that's Jesus another thing Christ. I wanted to bring up too. I forgot to bring up because he said that that jaw effect had some CGI in it and he was mentioning CGIing like power lines and dams and stuff. And I'm like, dude, like, it's so crazy because I never notice any of that shit in any movie that I watch. CGIing power lines and dams and and shit like that. I mean, maybe that's yeah, because I guess they did a a good job. And a took good it job, out. but that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's kind of wild. I I just never thought about that, you mm -hmm. know. Anyway, that's that was my whole point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, that's continue. Uh, well, no, no, I. It's interesting because I don't think about it either when I'm watching a movie. I don't think about you always anything think like about that. it. You always think about it with like the practical effects. Like, oh, is this CGI? How does it look? Is it kind of wonky? Whatever. You don't mm -hmm. ever look at like a landscape and say, oh, is there something weird about that tree line back there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because you, I just, I never noticed it. It's probably it's, and that's I guess that's when it's done good. It's effective because you know. Marvel movies, you can fucking tell that the background is CGI. You could just tell. Oh yeah, and it's it's right. it's kind of disappointing. Um, right. The Star Wars prequels, Jesus Christ, everything is CGI. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the actors are CGI. <laughs> Misa, Misa, like the first trilogy. I do, but man, it's Misa still like little Annie. <laughs> little Annie. <laughs> you like Darth Vader? Yeah. Want to watch him when he was a little kid? Uh -huh. You like Boba Fett? Want to watch him when he was a little kid? All the Bobas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they come across um, a pair of caves. So it's like the same cave system in this mountain. And they go into each a different opening to start to explore and, you know, sniff out whatever's in there. So they, they got they found shelter. Now they need to take shelter in all ways possible. So let's go in there. Let's fucking you know see what 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 lies inside and that goes back to the you just don't know man you don't know what's what's uh, you just have no idea you don't know it's the unknown bro and these fucking caves are beautiful this scenery this landscape goddamn scotland's a pretty ass place cousin mhm mm and this is the other scene where i was saying the tension worked for me the suspense building worked for me because as as uh, Bea is exploring the cave, and you get these lightning flashes that that pour into the cave every time lightning strikes, you see a figure here and there in the background mm -hmm. stalk, stalking her, and I'm like, hereditary style, yeah. This is working, yeah, yeah. This this is working, and you get a legit caveman attack. Yep. My boy breaks her hand, chokes her out, but she's smart. She's this is why we survived the Neanderthals. She plays possum, and he thinks, oh, she's dead, so I can just, you know, get up and, right. and chill out now. And she stabs that boy right in the fucking neck with her dagger he's rock. From, he's from Patasa, so that shit worked on him. He's not too smart. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
Bea, after uh, dispatching of him, comes across a fire and a like a pile of animal furs, and she finds Heron in there, and he's he's perfectly fine, chilling, uber yeah. chilling. And then a cave woman shows up, the one that they had been chasing, and she's like, you know, there's a standoff, and Gara shows up, and cave woman just rolls a twenty and takes oh, him yeah. out in one hit, fucks his whole world up. Where's she hit yeah. him? In the head, right in the, t- right in the head with a fucking. Yeah. Blunt object. Then she, then she started like it didn't get on top of him and starts beating the shit out of him, even though he's pretty much dead. I think so. I yeah. don't remember. I don't remember what yeah, happened because I don't know if I don't know if she saw Bea at this point. Oh no, no, she saw Bea first because Bea was in front of Heron, and then Gear came up. She turned oh. around and like just took him out. And um, yeah, I can't remember what how how that that scene exactly played out right there. But she beats the sh- I, she does get on him and eventually beats the shit out of him and that's when Bea like lights the fucking furs on fire and starts to take Heron out of the cave. They they climb up this little craggle. That's what I'm calling it, a craggle in it's the a cave. Craggle. Yeah. And they emerge craggle hole. <laughs> they emerge out of this smoking pit like being birthed from fucking primordial earth. It just looks so fucking cool. Yep. And um Heron's trying to help the cave lady also escape the 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 smoke and and the cave fire and yep. pleading with with Bea to help him because you know he's been he's fine and right, Bea's yeah. like the cave lady was like yelling Heron Heron like the whole time you know yeah. and she knew his name yeah Bea ain't having it though not in my new nope. world she says hell no nope. she said we're about to make this cave great again. <laughs> oh, shit, son. Bay is tremendous. Oh yeah, Bay straight up smashes the shit out of this cave woman's head with a rock, and yep. she she dares. Yep, and Heron mad as fuck. But Heron, Heron throws a fucking bit. She and has it's to, like they were just like us, you know. She they has were to, just other people. Yeah, to the point to where she has to hold him down and scream at him that everybody's dead. That's how bad he's freaking out. Mm-hmm. And he's just like lost in oblivion now, cause your dad's dead, everybody's dead. I guess she's she, he's gonna become her slam piece. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Cause Bea's running so. this shit. Good for Bea. Once they go into caves, she though, got she... a nice she got a nice little slam piece <laughs> and a Once... cave all to herself. Once they go in the back in the cave, though, she starts to like kind of regret the murders, right. which you know. I don't blame her for the caveman because he kind of attacked her first, but he was just right. def- defending his his spot. Right. Um, Stand your ground laws back then in the caves, you know. <laughs> she saw how the cave people were living, like they had art. They were honoring the dead. They took Ava's body. It turned out to honor her, like in a right. sort of they burial. weren't even going to eat her or nothing. No, it was like, oh shit, who's the real monsters? I like how the movie ends sort of the way it began where Bea starts to tell a story about a stray and a boy who entered a land of monsters corrupted by fear and rage. They took a cave for their own, done away with those people. You know, they saw how they lived, kind of learned to survive in the same sort of way. And the movie ends on these lines where Heron asks her, what do we do now? And Bea says, and I think fittingly, we try again. And that's sort of, I, I think maybe, I think I, since the movie ends on that note, I think that that's the 
one of the themes that the movie is trying to to get across is like, yeah, we're dark, we're fucked up, we're the monsters, right, right. But also the theme of surviving. Let's try, let's try again, though, guys. Yeah, you know, after we after we come let's here, let's try and make to this, do better. <laughs> after we come here and mm-hmm. make this this cave great again, let's try again. <laughs> right, <laughs> let's try. like goddamn boy. I hear there's oil across the mountains. <laughs> right. <laughs> they show up and they just start giving the cave people these blankets. They're like, here, here, take these blankets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. <laughs> right. It ain't got no COVID or nothing like that on it. Out of Darkness, a uh, 2024 survival horror movie that overall, I'll give my final thoughts and rating on it. Um, overall, very impressive, visually stunning. Like I was saying earlier, the performances having to come from the actors, which every good performance should also have all of this in it, but I think I think it's because of that language, that new language, Tola, that we don't, you know, they, they can't depend on the dialogue they have to actually or maybe i'm just noticing it more that that how expressive they are and the body language so but good on them for being that that for being that good at the performance the sound design like ricky said earlier fucking dope i think people should go see this in theaters for real because the the way it looks it's going to make for an experience on a big screen and how andrew was pointing out the sound design was created for a theater watch or if you have a surround sound system at home i mean it'll work just as well but it won't be as big as the fucking movie theater cousin go watch it uh i'm gonna give this movie an eight out of ten out of darkness is a very fucking amazing first effort and i'm looking forward to whatever the hell else andrew is gonna do in the future yeah i agree with everything you said i think the the sound design um the way the movie was shot the movie's technically sound. Like I don't have any any issues with any of the ways that it was portrayed or shown to me or told to me. Uh, it not being the monster film that I thought it would be was kind of disappointing. But like the overall themes of the movie do hit home, and I think they're good. So I mean, I'm, I'm gonna come in with an eight point five. I want to watch it. I want to rewatch it in theaters because I think thematically it'll be all the more better. But after that, I don't feel like this movie has a whole lot more rewatchability for me. And that kind of takes away from the, my overall score, which is probably why it won't get sure. higher than an eight and a half, right? Sure, um, sure. Now, maybe, maybe the th- theater watch will convince me otherwise. Um, but for now, I think, I mean, a 8.5 is still a strong ass score. It's a really good movie. I do suggest everyone should watch it for sure. All right. So when I first found out about this movie, I was sold instantly. Um, I have a survival horror fetish, as is known by our longtime listeners. When someone's falling off a cliff, I'm coming. That's just all there is to it. (laughs) If we'd have seen a mammoth fall off a cliff in this movie, Ricky would have came in. He'd have came inside out. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one, there was a little bit of expectation going in and finding out. And it's sad to say, but finding out that it's a philosophically deeper movie than I was hoping for <laughs> may have made me a little disappointed at first. And I would disappoint is not the right word, maybe just pulled out, you know? But on revisiting this, I appreciate the message and what it's saying. And because it's, a, you know, it's, it's essentially, it's a true story. I mean, this is what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we genocided the fuck out of the Neanderthals and bred them out, <laughs> you know? So it is what it is. Cave, caveman politics. That's all we had back then. Back then, civilization was just, who was the biggest, dumbest motherfucker to do whatever the fuck they felt like doing, you know, and drag you with them. So, all that being said, I mean, the movie's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to listen to. There's a few scenes. The Aurora Borealis night is gorgeous. The landscape's gorgeous. These cave scenes where you're talking about the lightning striking with all that heavy rain. It really really fucking takes you there to a place where there was no real medicine there was no real luxuries of any kind every little bit of survival you did was off of struggling and striving and killing and you know and being mean and nasty and there's just something about that that's very appealing to me because I'm an autistic psychopath. Yeah, anyway, I'm just <laughs> rambling. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to split the difference because I I, I feel kind of between an 8 and an 8.5. So I'm going to go 8.25 mm-hmm. and say that this is a brilliant first effort. I mean, the language alone is so amazing. And like you said, the way the actors really sold everything with body language and facial expressions, it's a doozy. And everyone should definitely watch it in theaters. Like, if you're hearing this, please go see it as soon as possible in theaters. It's going to be a hell of an experience. I'll be there with you. If you want to put your penis in the popcorn can, I'll <laughs> stroke it off. I'll be there with you the whole time. 8.25 out of 10. That is my final thoughts and ratings. The only reason it's not higher is kind of like what Trev said. I feel like other than a a theater watch, this is just, I feel like I get it. You know, like I feel like I've seen it enough. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll go up. Who knows? Well, that's it. You heard it from the Doja Rick's mouth. This is a prehistoric movie that you can raise a pinky to. Um, Yeah. We're going to leave y'all with a, a last little bit from Andrew coming when we got into some spoiler territory during our conversation earlier. Wanted to save that Hell for yeah. the end after everyone's done, went out and seen the movie, which if you're you're listening to this, the movie is out now. Uh, out of Darkness is in theaters on February 9th, so go see it, everybody. Is there a monster in the movie, or is it just the other cave people? 
it's it's just it is the it's the, it's the Neanderthals. That's, okay, that's it. We the, okay. the concept was, you know, it's it's you you're, you the worry you, I had was we do we stray slightly into Scooby Doo territory here? You know where? Yeah, and I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for those Homo sapiens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if you're cracking jokes like that, man, it makes it hard for me to edit this out. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. But um. Yeah, no, it's and, and you know I'm I'm reading things on the socials and some people are very disappointed by that. Some are fucking enraged because they just wanted a monster movie, and I get that. You know, I get that um, that needs, but the story we wanted to tell it couldn't just be a monster movie because you can't have Bea go through this go on this journey and she kills the monster and now everything's okay. Like that just was not the story that we wanted to tell. It was all about. Mm-hmm like violence and fear and so and that need to survive just makes you do really horrible shit um to other people or people that you think are different to you um and that was the story we wanted to tell if it was just i'd say just the monster movie that's not a bad thing like you know monster movies are great but if if this movie was a monster movie for the whole runtime it just it would be too she she would she would become the hero and I, mm-hmm. I think she, she is the hero at the end of the movie. She's the final girl, but she's also a genocidal maniac. Yeah. In the same way that the Xenomorphs and Alien were just chilling. And then, you know, Ellen Ripley turns up. It's like, we, we, we don't have any problem with you. Like, we're just doing our thing here. You know, this is what we do. So, yeah, so that, that I'm slightly going on a tangent here, but that was the thing. The thing I was always interested in was, can you take a child and make them a genocidal maniac? Mm-hmm. Um, but but she's still the hero because we won and we're we're at the top of the food chain because of our inhumanity. And, that and that's real. Was, and that's real shit, man. That's basically what happened to the Neanderthal too. Right, the, the 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 timing goes that Neanderthals in Western Europe were around for three hundred thousand years, and then we turned up and they were gone within eighteen thousand years. Now. Every Caucasian person in Western Europe, give or take, has at least 4% Neanderthal DNA in them. So they weren't always fighting. They were fucked. Right. I didn't, I didn't yeah. want to make a Romeo and Juliet version of the story. I wanted to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As somebody that has 5% Neanderthal in them, yeah. I got you. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. Wife, um, my wife and I did our, um, our ancestry DNA thing, and she's always been clowning on me because I'm – built like a barrel and i've got really hairy shoulders so she's like i bet you got so much neanderthal and we got our results and she got a whole percent more than i do so now i'm always calling her i'm always like man you fucking cave person what's wrong with you that's why she's met you she just you know real recognize real that's yeah I'm going to go um, ahead and put this part at the, like, I'm going to chop this out and put this after we talk about the movie. So cool. there you nice. go. Yeah, that'll yeah. be good. That'll be good. Yeah. That was too good I, to I, not I, leave in. I agree. Yeah. I, I did want to say, like, I was initially disappointed that it wasn't a monster movie because mm-hmm. going in, I thought it was B. Mm-hmm. But right. the movie, but the movie proved, like, I still love the movie. Like, I like exactly what you just said, which was that, like, there's a whole other story to be told right there. I don't need I honestly kind of like the the story there other than the monster. I just like I said I was initially disappointed and then I was it, like, "Oh, this is it good. Hits this is real good." It the hits different on a there. revisit. Yeah, it hits different on a revisit cuz I was a little let down at first too. I mean, I still like the story and all that, but revisiting it 
I'm feeling it a lot more, you know, mm. because I, of the context yeah. and everything. I mean, I kind of thought that's, a dinosaur that's a, was going to show up. Because that, that's a tightrope for us to walk as the filmmakers, right? Because you know you're leading people down a certain path and then to pull the rug out like that is really unfair. And I, so I don't, um, I have no truck with anybody who says, you know, you kind of cheated me a little. Um, but we always felt if the, the film d- deserved a rewatch, then, it, then people would see that we, that I hadn't cheated either because that was the other thing is I didn't want this monster to have to be able to fly or to have supersonic speeds or any of this stuff, and that's why you barely see it, is because I was constantly, I constantly felt when we do reveal it, I can't have the audience saying, "Go, you cheating bastards!" You know, you 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 made the thing like twenty feet tall in the trees or whatever. That's right. just what subconsciously the Homo sapiens are thinking because they can't see it. They're building this thing up in their mind, and and those are the, the for me those are the best monster movies. I mean, the first Alien film for me is mm. just was a game changer um and yeah yeah as good as that costume design is and so iconic he hides that thing constantly you know just keeps it back keeps it back keeps it back um and that's yeah that's what makes it scarier that's an important rule for any horror filmmaker who's making a monster movie even if you have like you said a great a great costume don't show it too much you know mm-hmm. i mean that's that's really that that's what keeps the suspense and and the and the fear in there. It's what your mind will create, like like our uh, ancestors in the film. It's gonna be way scarier. But I, I was I was half assed waiting for a dinosaur to show up, like a like a little raptor yeah. or some shit. Like, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, right. of course. And based on the trailer, I thought it was like like Trev and Rick, a monster movie. Um, I w- I wasn't disappointed necessarily. I just but I, at the same time I didn't know. If right. there there was something out there that we just never saw that was hunting them, and then we also stumble upon mm-hmm. the cave people, I do want to say real quick that one shot where we see the the cave woman in her like earth I I don't know why in my mind it's like an earthen mask. It looks like it's got roots growing out of it or mm-hmm. something. That's just in the in that's the why fall, I was yes yes that's why so I was thinking up. I was thinking like in my head I had this like like prehistoric folk horror survival story and then it, the script flitched uh, the script flitched <laughs> good god the script flipped <laughs> and uh i'm still with it i love it but yeah it was it was just yeah just a no, big I, reveal a switcheroo you know which it's not as a bit it's huge and but that was always part of the that was always part of the reason that we wanted to do it was because you know i mean it's we're not saying anything new by saying, "Oh, we're the we're the monsters," you know. Like, right? We're not expecting a medal for that. Um, but it was just again with the time period, and it allows you to talk about us as a species, as opposed to any particular group. You're talking about all mankind and what we're capable of. And just if it had just been a monster, it just would have been a different story, right? Sure. Would it yeah. Better, worse? I don't know. Just different. Um, just different. That's and yeah. that's that's one of the points I wanted to make. It's. It's not so much that it was an upset or a letdown. It's just not what I was expecting. Sure. Yeah. The the theme of the movie just seems to be like unending survival at all costs. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you could take that however you want from either, either factions of cave people, if you want, um, even just the interactions around the, the, the original group of people, because I mean, it's like, it's a completely just different time. It's easy to look at it, but like, I can't believe they just did that. It's like, Man, it was different back then. Like there was, right. 
every, any little misstep meant death, mm-hmm. and the the dynamics between people in general are already just strained, yeah, and like teetering on the edge of violence at all times. Yeah, and if you if you're not useful, you're 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 wasting foods, you know, because yeah, you're useless. <laughs> yeah, so some, somebody's going to go and run a marathon to catch food and bring it back to feed you. But if you're not providing anything to the group, then you're just you're dead weight. So just, you know, there's there's a really small moment in the film where Odal, the, the, the old spiritual guy, he's really struggling to breathe and there's sweat dripping off his nose. You know, and it's just there were that, there were scenes that had to get cut because it just took the focus away from the, the main character. But. You know, just the idea—the idea that he is—he—he um, he knows if he, he has to be useful. Because um, yeah. at one point he says to Adam, "You know, the reason I'm here is because you're worried that Ave is going to die, and um, so, and I'm here because I can forage and I can find food." Um, right. And um, and you know, and Ave, the pregnant partner, she's just a she's just an incubator. You know, that's the stage she's gone to. It's like everybody's there to serve a purpose, um, and the young girl Bea. She doesn't know what her purpose is until she finds out, ah, okay, you're of age now, so you're just going to be a Dem's other partner. Um, you know, and so there's, there's just these, these levels of just inhumanity, you know, and it's not even just men on women. It's also the way the women are with each other as well. Like Avi and Bea just never quite see eye to eye. There is a scene where... Avi's warning her. Well, not warning her. She's saying, "Don't worry." Like this thing that's she's happening. trying to let her know. Like, yeah, yeah just by let the her way, know, like, this is a good thing. This is yeah, a good, a good thing, thing. She keeps saying, "Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you'll be you'll be oppressed and you'll suffer your entire life at the hands of this right. guy. At least, but you're this useful. is a good thing. Don't worry. Yeah. You you won't you're, starve. You're useful. You, you've earned your food for the night. Do that you know, scene? Go ahead. Yeah. I yeah. called. I called that Stone Age politics. I was like, yeah. "That's yeah. what's going on right here, bro." Horrible. What a life. Yeah. But is that's the thing she frames it? What is she, it's um um Hintenshta, it's the toll of for uh, it's a good thing. I remember that because her delivery was so good. It's just like don't worry, yeah. don't worry, it's fine, it's fine. But you know you you're, you're going to be okay. Um, and then you know, and then you've got the younger brother who, um, who kind of wishes he was the main man, but just doesn't have the he doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't. He's just yeah, you know, he's got he's a enough ass on him yet. Yeah, we need to dude. That's the thing. If you don't have that, if you don't have that kill switch in that yeah. time period, but not even that time period. Like you know, if, if you don't have that kill switch in Kiev today, like if you don't have that that iron will to survive, sure, the stuff that's happening there, or you know, pick 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 any hot spot in the world. Like if you if you don't have the minerals, um, it's it's going to be hard for you, and that's that's just the sad reality of what again, what we're capable of as a species and what we do to each other. So, yeah, this 45,000 years ago felt like the perfect time to make that statement and do Absolutely. it in a very different way. Kind of like a reflection, eh? Mm, um, yeah. I'm going to get back to pre-spoiler stuff. So sure, sorry. Listen. Yeah, we went no, off no, Oh, no, 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 no. This, oh, no, I, this I, is all good shit. This I is going to get put in towards the end of the our review, and it's going to oh. – Travis is going to – Magic great. it up, and it's going to be great. He's very useful. We can't get rid of him. I Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We'd um, all starve without Travis over here, just to <laughs> let you know. I'm Doja Cow Rick. Oh, God. Also known as 3-6 Rick. 
Inwa Rick. Also <laughs> known as Inwa Rick. Stephen Kingpin. Also known as Stephen Kingpin. Yup. Yeah. Brap. Also known as <laughs> Boyka Boy. I ain't said that one in a while. No, also right. known as. Oh my lord. Also known as the fan favorite. Yeah. Also known as the fan favorite. <laughs> also known as the old starving dark forest. That, no, that's, I, that, I don't, that's, that's not me. I'm not oh. an old starving forest. I'm sorry. That was a lie. Um, He's a young starving forest. <laughs> he's got a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's an upstart starving forest. <laughs> right. <laughs> Embrace. Ooh, 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 ooh. Embrace the Uga Chaka. Embrace the firelight and don't venture out into the dark. I'm NGC Trev, also known as, also known as, Coke Can, Co- <laughs> Coke Can Penis Trev, also yeah. known as, Coke Can Cop, uh, as, as T, T Trev, yeah, and then, T T Trev, T T Trev, the Pawbon, the Pawbon T, and, um, I would have broken all of their jaws if it weren't for those fucking Neanderthals. <laughs> that's what that's one that I forgot to do I wanted to make that <laughs> I'm Tibu simply that's put that's homo erectus Trav yeah. <laughs> always erectus all the time <laughs> also known as Hogzilla also known as the Dirt Castle King also known as Agony Scrim yeah Ooh, I forgot about that I one also known as the guy that says it's a cosmic tin. Mm-hmm. Stay spooky, stay spicy, and keep pushing mammoths off cliffs. I believe in you. I believe in all Ooh. of you. What if they would have climbed over the mountains, like at the end, and there would have been like a bunch of cows, and it'd have been like that would that would have been awesome. I'm a doza cow. I'm a oh. doza. <laughs> I almost introduced myself as the cow on the other side of the mountains, bitch. I'm a cow. Oh, that would've been great. <laughs> bitch, I'm a cow. <laughs> yeah, bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. I'm not a cat. I don't say now. Bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. I go
Then it was too late and you wound up on 